Come on, let's sing this out. And I want to scream it out from every mountain top. Your goodness knows no bounds. Your goodness never stops. Your mercy follows me. Your kindness fills my life. Your love amazes me. And I sing, Lord, and I sing, because you are good and I dare. Cantaré, cantaré porque eres fiel, danzaré porque eres fiel, gritaré porque eres fiel, eres fiel,
was going to say good morning, but it's not morning anymore. So hello, everybody. Welcome to Green Lake. It's so good to see you. I'm glad you're here. We're going to just continue with a little bit of uh, a little bit more worship. So let's just engage again. I'm going to pray for us. And I just want to invite you. I know that we're usually in charge of a lot, but we're going to lay that down now. And we're just going to come and engage with God and give him all that we have today. So would you join me in praying? God, we love you. We adore you. And today, God, we withhold nothing from you. We give you all of our worship, all of our celebration. You are worthy of it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let's continue in worshiping together.
Let the King of my heart be the mountain where I run, the fountain I drink from, oh, He is my song. Let the King of my heart be the shadow where I hide, the ransom for my life, oh, He is my song.
can't sing this. I'm going to need your help. You're never going to let. You're never going to You're never going to let me down. You're never. You're never going to You're never going to let me down. You're never going to You're never, Lord. You're you're good all the time Lord you are not a man that you'd ever lie to us you are faithful in every moment and we love you for it God we honor you for it God and we sing for you because of it God because of who you are and what you've done Lord we celebrate you in Jesus name yes go ahead and have a seat Welcome, you guys. Guess what? You made it to Green Lake again. Well done. Okay, what's the problem with these front tables here? There's my Duluth girls. Come on up. 
Holy Spirit's right here in the front. I always tell my church that. Well, you guys, we are, like, delighted to have you here. People always ask, how you doing? How you doing? How you doing, Brenda? Are you feeling anxious? I'm like, you know what? As soon as we start the uh, get across the starting line, I'm fine. I'm, I'm golden. So I'm really excited just to, just to enjoy the next few days with you guys, and I'm really so grateful uh, for all the ways that you kind of had to push through things to get here because we know that's our reality as leaders and people with family. So I'm Brenda. I'm the Midwest North Regional Leader. It's my great, great privilege to do regional leadership. Yeah. And this Woo. is my wonderful sidekick husband who has the most amazing glistening beard. More women in our church come up to him than you could imagine and say, can I just touch your beard? Isn't that weird? It's the weirdest thing. It's like, no, I'm not going to touch you. You can't touch me. Those are the rules. Let's do it that way, right? Yeah. But when you spend so much time so grooming this week, it. So this week, a guy came up to me and goes, can I, I have touch a big your favor to ask. And he just reaches out and grabs <laughs> my beard. That's because I told him, you got to go keep up with the women, so get on it. Oh, well. But, you know, with all the time you spend grooming it and then massaging the oils that you into, I mean, it's like, I got to tell you, that comb, that comb a few years ago started out this big. <laughs> and every time he gets a new one, it gets, it pretty soon to be like hanging out of his pants. Oh, that's a great idea. I could get a chain. This is why he wears cargo pants, so he can carry a beard comb. There you go. Well, um, I know you guys enjoy Green Lake. I know you enjoy kind of the rhythm that we started many years ago of coming to Green Lake uh, every year, coming together as pastors and leaders from across our region, and just, uh, you know, just you're serving throughout the entire region, and this is just a time for us to kind of take off that serving hat and um, give ourselves permission to receive, and so I always want to encourage you in that. Uh, and I do, I know it costs you to come, uh, you know, more than just financially, but just time and energy and uh, resources. And I just, I, I do appreciate that you made every effort to be here. Uh, and I know that God is going to bless you just for, for that and for being here. So we trust that you're going to experience uh, some really good margins, some space, maybe some headspace. Uh, nothing better than a little extra headspace to kind of breathe mentally, emotionally, spiritually, uh, and even physically, and some really great, I think, experiences with the Holy Spirit. And I pray that, uh, you know, sometimes I try to take responsibility for your experience here in the spirit realm, and God always, you know, says, back up, baby. I never asked you to do that. Just create this space where they can come, invite them in, and then I'm, I'm responsible for the rest. And so I know you're going to experience what God has in mind for you, and you just get to receive, and so I pray for that, and our regional team's been praying for you, and uh, we really do pray that you experience some great relationships with each other, that you meet some new people that will really encourage you. One of the funnest things, isn't it, is to see people that you met last year, uh, and, you know, had a meal with, and just tell them that you've been thinking about them, and ask about their family, and uh, what God's doing in their life, so, and especially if you've, if you've been feeling lonely, I think God brought you here, especially, and I feel like that's an area that we'll minister to, the Holy Spirit will minister to, and we like to pray for that, because this is a great place to, um, you know, just reconnect, get, get, get a little less lonely, 
as we just rub shoulders together as family. So um, that's what I look forward to. Nice. So I've been told to tell you that there's a hashtag. I have no idea what you're supposed to do with it. You're supposed to go like this, baby. I think you're supposed to Insta, Facebook, tweet, snappy it. Don't act like you don't do social media. So here's the hashtag. It is... He does way more social media than I do social media. Hey, let's compare our screen time with our new little thing on our phone that does that. Let's do that on our date. I bet I beat you. Not right now. Whether I don't know if we're playing golf rules or... Well, or the goal would be to come in lower, honey. Oh, so it's golf yeah. rules. Got it. I bet I still win. Uh, here's the hashtag, GreenLake2018. Do you need me to spell it? And then there's, you're supposed to do, I was told to do this. You're supposed to do something. Am I doing it right? I don't know. Don't, don't risk it because okay. if you have them the wrong way. And then also uh, Wi-Fi. I don't know why you would need Wi-Fi, but you can, it's available uh, in, in, in your rooms and in craft, the building over there, without a password. But if you want to get Wi-Fi here, there's a password, and I suppose I could tell you what it is. <laughs> Are you ready? You should, you should charge for it. Honey. Yeah, it's. Green Lake 75. It's on the screen? Oh, oh. well, there you go. Whatever. Never mind. They put it on the screen. Bunch of... Last year, uh, many of you agreed that you really liked a little bit earlier start time for our evening sessions. And so just like last year, we're going to continue to start our main sessions at 6.30 p.m. instead of 7. Uh, and, you know, I think it's still you have longer to pray for each other. But some of you, I think, just want to go to the goose blind whatever but but just don't miss worship okay it starts at 6 30 and if you come at 7 then you've just missed worship and i know you don't want to do that so and you can help each other remember you know as you're sitting around having your post-dinner conversations uh you know and so let's let's go so we don't miss worship and continue to um, come on down and converse and worship with us i want to introduce our regional team so if the regional team could run up here no matter how hard that is for you, please put it in gear and come up here. There you go. I see a little, a little motion. I see some. I see a little limberness there, Pat. Good job. Come on, David. Come on. All right. I'm going to have them introduce themselves, and they're going to just talk uh, where they're from and the areas that they oversee in our region. From left to right. <laughs> this guy's dodgy. He's, he's my new area leader who I'm very excited about. Super excited. Thank you. Uh, my name is David Maldonado. I'm an area leader in the Chicago area. Uh, that's it, right? That's good. <clears throat> I'm Greg Perkinson. I'm an area leader in the Twin Cities area. Miguel Aviles, eh, Las Viñas de Minnesota, The Viñas de Minnesota. Mm -hmm. Rocío Aviles, um, La Viñas in Minnesota. Yes. Pat Mulcahy, The Vineyards in Wisconsin. Cheeseheads. Casey LaCour, Northern Minnesota and Superior, Wisconsin. Uh, Dave Frederick, Chicago area, more west side. Anita Frederick, ditto. <laughs> Lake U High Camp, uh, Twin Cities, and also South Dakota. All right. 
Well, let me just say this about this team. Um, I could not have a, a, a more committed group of people who just want to serve humbly. And so we don't think of ourselves as overseeing churches. Uh, we think of ourselves as really serving, coming alongside and serving churches. Uh, and we pray for the churches in the region on a regular basis. Uh, we pray for churches that are, that are struggling. We celebrate with churches that are thriving. Um, but I love this team, and I take great comfort. I would never do this alone. Uh, I would never do it without them. And so I want to just thank them, and they, have, they will help host this meeting. If you have any questions, if you need any deliverance, I will give you their phone numbers, uh, and they are on it. All right. Thank you guys very much. That's awesome. Thank you. So let me introduce some of the special guests that we have with us this week. I want to, last year, last year we had to make do with a video from Phil Strout, but today we actually have Phil and Janet with us. Why don't you guys just stand In up, the flesh. say hi to everybody. We're so grateful that you've taken the time to come and spend with us, kind of as part of the family. You guys are amazing. It's one of the joys of our lives is to get to work alongside uh, these guys and actually count them as friends. It's, it's incredibly cool. So we're going to be hearing from Phil in just a minute. I also want to introduce Bubba Justice as our national coordinator for the Vineyard. Bubba, why don't you stand up? Bubba is an absolutely amazing guy. If you want to just have a really fun time, sit down with your budget with Bubba and let him go through it line by line with you. We did this last year like with the Multiply Vineyard budget, and I'm serious, you guys. I have never felt so loved and cared for and pastored yeah. in my life as sitting there for a day going line by line through something that looks, you know, could seem like it's as difficult to do as a budget. It's like this guy's an amazing pastor, an amazing leader. He's got some really great experiences uh, in the U.S. and around the world, kind of helping churches be healthy. And so it, it's well worth your time to spend a little time getting to know Bubba. Yeah, and then also... I wanted to say about Bubba that I, inter I invited him here to hopefully make him a little more accessible to the region um, to meet some of you and hear what some of your needs are. And so grab him for a meal or ask him questions or... Uh, ask him how to help you if you're struggling financially in your church. He has a, a breakout session tomorrow to talk about all things church finance. Uh, and we couldn't have a richer, um, what do you want to, wealth of knowledge? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Boom. Yeah. Boom shakalaka. That's <laughs> from Alabama. And then uh, also, I want to introduce Rob Morgan. Rob, why don't you stand up and say hi to everybody? Thank you, Rob, for taking some time away from your family, away from Julie, away from the Delaware City Vineyard to come spend some time with us. We're so happy to have you here. Uh, Rob and Julie, just tell them, I just want to give you a little hint about their lives. Uh, they responded to a call from God for church planting the first time kind of years ago, and they were sent as part of Vineyard Columbus uh, to help plant the Arvada Vineyard. And uh, they were there for a period of years, and then they came back. They went on staff uh, with uh, uh, the, what's it called, uh, Vineyard Church of Delaware County, where uh, Danny Myers, uh, the Myers were the pastors, 
and, um, and then went set, sent out to go do what they're doing now. He also works as part of the Multiply Vineyard team. Uh, he's a regional representative for his region. And uh, man, I have so enjoyed getting to know him. Brenda and I both have just seen God do some really cool things in their lives. And so you're going to really enjoy getting to know Rob as well. Yeah, very cool. I'm very excited to have him share with you guys. All right, well, soul care is one of the things that we love about Green Lake as well. And in an effort to really help you receive some really good personal soul care while you're here, we're going to be spending, as we have the last couple years, the entire day tomorrow on some individual soul care appointments. And uh, my team has done an amazing job to organize this. It's quite complicated. Uh, you already signed up for your individual soul care appointment when you registered online or whoever registered you picked something that they thought you needed. So you might talk to your spouse about that if they said, gosh, you need some coaching. What, what did you register me for? <laughs> Look on the back of your name tag, baby. Okay, sweet. Um, but if you take your name tag out of your plastic holder, you open on it, you'll notice on the back of it, I guess you don't have to take it out, just flip it over. You'll see your soul care appointment there if you said you wanted one. Um, there is a few appointment slots still open in several areas. So uh, I saw some in spiritual direction. I saw some in coaching. So if you're interested in a soul care appointment, uh, Michelle, are you in the room right now? Michelle. Michelle, she's probably not in the room. But um, we're, she's going to be in the lobby. Kind of look for me. I'll, I'll find her. And then come and we'll get you slotted for one. Maybe you said I don't know and now you wish you did. And we can still, get, we can still accommodate that. So you should have that time on the back, and uh, in your workbook, you'll see that there is a description of all the soul care appointments and a map, so you kind of know where you're going tomorrow for all of those appointments. So here's some details for that. Uh, when you go to the lobby of the building where your soul care appointment is, there is going to be a host waiting there in the lobby that can show you where to go and the individual places where you're going to be meeting with those who are serving you. All of those appointments are going to happen between breakfast and dinner tomorrow. So that's what the day is tomorrow, between breakfast and dinner, kind of throughout the day, those soul care sessions. Please arrive five minutes early. If you arrive on time, you're five minutes late to your soul care appointment. We want you to make sure you get the full time with them. And then we're also having several breakout sessions that you can drop into that are listed in the times of your workbook. There's a really good description of all those breakout sessions with all the times and locations. Just please feel free to attend any of those that you would like throughout the day as your schedule allows. There's no signups for those. You can just drop in and enjoy participating. Awesome. All right. And then also something new. This is uh, something that I know you realize by now as a leader that there's a battle going on kind of over your life and your family and your ministries at different times. You feel that, um, especially if you're really advancing the kingdom of God. And so I want to tell you about a way for us to maybe help each other uh, called the Midwest North Pastors Hotline. And our reality is, is that, you know, we're all vulnerable uh, for various things or ways that the enemy is going to come and just love to take us out and, and you know, sabotage our relationship with God and, and our, the call on our life. But what if we could link arms? What if we could stand together? And what if we could learn how to be less vulnerable to the enemy um, and, and that we're safer together uh, when it comes to warfare? So as a regional team, we, um, I, we pray for you on such a regular basis because, you know, we are a movement that depends so much on relationship 
with one another. And we, we pray that we would always be able to grow in our ability to trust each other, to be transparent with each other, to come to things like this and kind of bring some of the most difficult things that we're facing or uh, temptations or things that we're encountering in, you know, bring them out in the open and get the help that we need and especially get it early on before it, it manifests into something that is causes so much damage in our lives. And so support and healing for those kind of uh, times when we get offended, you know, and we harbor those offenses and they turn into bitterness and they turn into anger and they cause division or disappointments that we suffer in ministry or losses or sexual temptation or even, you know, marriage support or, or family support with teenagers or children, uh, counseling, you name it. I mean, we we have... Uh, we're vulnerable. And so the Midwest North Pastors Hotline is a phone number that uh, you can just use to kind of say, help. I'd like help. Uh, and on the other end of the line, you're going to find a really trusted regional leader. Uh, some of our really seasoned leaders are going to kind of take shifts and take care of this phone, this hotline, you know, for a month. And uh, it won't be passed around a lot. It will probably be just amongst a few people on our regional team. Um, but there'll be a friend there to talk to. There'll be someone to pray with. There'll be somebody that you can say, would you help me? Would you hold me accountable? Or I need professional help, and I don't know how to find it. And I'm afraid that uh, if I do reach out, I'll, there'll be a loss of ministry. Or uh, you know, And you just need to know that you're not alone, that you don't have to go through this alone, that we can walk through it together. So that's the purpose of the hotline, and we want you to use it test it try it you know uh don't wait for a crisis just do it with something smaller than that and and see how it goes and um it's not michael on the other end of the line so <laughs> I'm, I'm not what, what what do you say i'm not one of the sensitive ones <laughs> i think you would actually do really good but i just thought that was kind of funny it's hilarious and um <laughs> And I would even encourage you to use it this today, tomorrow, and the next day. You know, somebody is all you do. You could text to this number, and within minutes, somebody will text you back. We'll ask you, are you a male or a female? We'll have a, a, a pastor, a leader of the same gender uh, respond. And if you want to meet and take a walk on the lake and have a talk and pray in person, you can do that uh, while you're here at Green Lake. Or take it with you. Uh, and use it any time throughout the next year. And let's let's help each other through uh, some hard stuff in a way that's really healthy. Uh, and, uh, you know, just protect one another. Does that make sense? Yeah? Okay. So I'm excited about it. Uh, lastly, we want you to be able to eat while you're here. Unless, of course, you've just decided not to. You're just going to fast and pray for me the whole time. That'd be awesome. Um, but other, if you want to eat, you, you got like a uh, meal ticket. And my suggestion, just stick it in the back of your name thing because you're supposed to like have your name thing and your meal ticket when you like uh, go up there to get a meal. So uh, tonight it starts right at 5 o'clock in the main dining hall. And, uh, and it's important to them uh, that we're relatively on time. Yeah, and, and that we bring the ticket with us. Yeah, and I, I know it's a little a hassle. They literally will cro you know, cross it off for each meal, but that is literally how they charge us for meals, and so they they have to do that. It's their job, and um, and so we're just going to be have a good attitude about it, and 
Uh, if it takes a little while to get everybody through that front door, that's okay because there's always a line anyway in the neck inside the room. I tried the puppy dog eye thing and it didn't work one time. Yeah, she'll just say, "Turn around, boy. Go to the front desk and get another card." Well, hey, I would love to invite Phil to come on up. Phil's got a uh, cool word for us today, and gosh, we are so thankful for you taking the time to uh, go to yet another regional event and. Uh, this, 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 guy, this guy is honestly one of my favorite people in the world to work with and get to do stuff with. And just so thankful for the way that God has been using he and Janet uh, in our movement and in many of our lives. So welcome. We're glad that you're here. Thank you, Michael. Thank you. Well, good afternoon. How are you? Are you good? Uh, how many of you watched uh, Sunday Night Football? How many of you still love me? Uh, how many watched the World Series? Thank you, Rob. That's the way you make friends and influence people. Just bring up, what are you laughing at? We were in the World Series, buddy. Come on. No, it's, it's good to be with you. It really is. Uh, we had a summer of... Regional conferences, I think uh, Jen and I, this would be our, is, is this considered your regional conference, Brenda? I don't know where Brenda went. Is it, yeah? Okay. So uh, this is our 10th one this, this summer. So we spent the summer zigzagging around the United States in amongst the other national conferences and some of the other countries. So it's been one of those crazy years, a little out of control. And when we couldn't get there, my dear friend Bubba Justice went and I don't know how many he did, five, six, seven, yeah, so uh, if you need some air miles, you want to fly your kids back and forth to college or whatever, just see Bubba, he's got a few million uh, racked up here, so he'll take care of you. Uh, Let me just say something about uh, two or three people that are in the room. Number one is uh, Brenda Gatlin, Uh, but uh, did she leave the room? No, she's up there. Um, You know, this, she is one of the sensational leaders in the Vineyard Movement, let me just say that. Uh, I think it's pretty indisputable. Anybody that knows the national movement where we have hundreds of churches and thousands of pastors around the country, there is nobody in the vineyard that cares more for the pastors under her care than Brenda Gatlin. She she advocates for the pastors here in this region. She defends. She builds up. She encourages. I've never heard her speak negative. She's always, always, always telling of the exploits that God is doing in your churches and, and uh, promoting you, and, and it's just, it's easy to work with Brenda. Now, if she dis- disagrees, she'll disagree, uh, but she's just one of those, you know, she's one of those you want on your team. You want to build a team, you start with somebody like Brenda Gatlin. So if you if some of you HLIers, the Heroic Leadership Institute uh, students or alumni, if you're on staff there, uh, if you've been an intern, you know, you're getting some of the best uh, treatment in the world, and uh, I just, you know, I just want to be able to say that, Brenda, I, I, I say it to you once in a while, and you get old, old gosh, and you go into some tongues that you learned up in Alaska or something, and <laughs> get all embarrassed. What, how, how do you say it, Brenda? No? You wouldn't do it? No? How about if I brought you back up here with a microphone? You still wouldn't do it? Okay. It's amazing. But she's just a great leader, and uh, I, I want to, I really want to say that. And uh, uh, Bubba Justice 
is from Birmingham, Alabama. There's not many names like Bubba Justice, a verb and a noun, all wrapped into to, to one. But, but he has been a dear friend for many, many years. Bubba's been uh, pastoring. Um, he's a CPA professional, but he's been pastoring the Vineyard Church in Birmingham, Alabama, pastored there for, planted and pastored that church for 23 years. I met Bubba many, many years ago working on the mission task force, and uh, Bubba and, and many others were involved in helping the vineyard uh, development in Kenya, in Africa, so he's got cross-cultural skills that are amazing. And when there was a position a few years ago for uh, the national coordinator, somebody that works directly with me and really helps uh, in so many aspects of just how this vineyard family works, um, I, I basically said I didn't want to post uh, uh, this as a job because I already knew who I wanted. And I wanted Bubba Justice. And because I knew what the need was, and I already knew the person. And so I just told the board, the national board, I'm not going to post this job. I'm just going to see if I can work this out. So I started to pray. I asked Bubba. He said, no. Uh, he, uh, well, I got him to work 20%. And in his 20% of the time, it amazed me what one person, how one person giving 20%, how it influenced how the vineyard was running. And when I saw that, I said, I need him. Uh, I'm going to start at 50%. And I went to Bubba, and I said, Bubba, can you work 50% pastor half-time? Because he loves pastoring. And I said, pastor half-time and, and be the national coordinator half-time? And he goes, no. Uh, he's the only, he, he gets two syllables out of my name. My name's Phil, but he gets Phil. <laughs> he says, no, Phil. He said, I love pastoring, so I don't want to work for you. And I said, oh, okay. So I waited a couple of weeks. I went back and said, Bubba, have you thought about it? Is Holy Spirit speaking to you? He said, no says, would you like to work 50% of the time? He goes, no, I don't. I says, I love pastoring. I'll work 20%. I help the vineyard. And, and, and the rest of the time, I want to pastor. And I said, okay. So I waited a few more weeks. I went back. I said, I'm going to ask him one more time. I went back and I asked him, says, Bubba, I want you to quit being a pastor and just come to work 100% for the Vineyard USA. He goes, well, I wouldn't work 50%, so why would I work 100%? And I said, well, I don't know, but you're a spiritual man. You're going to figure this out. He went away and he prayed. Oh, I don't know that he did pray. I don't think he did pray. I don't think he prayed. He didn't, you didn't pray about that, did you? He was in a worship service, just like we just did, and he was singing, you know, the song. Uh, how's it? I don't, I'm not good with the song. If you say go, I'll go. If you say step out on the water, uh, I'll do it. And if you say do the woogie boogie, I'll do it, you know. And the Holy Spirit said, stop singing, Bubba, because you, 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 that's not true. I don't want you to sing anymore because it's not true. You, if I say go, you won't go. If I say step out on the water, you won't step out on the water. Is that true, Bubba? Am I exaggerating one bit? So he didn't sing the next two songs. And the Holy Spirit said, that's not Phil asking you, that's me. So he, comes, he goes home, I think right after the conference, right? He goes home and he calls me on the phone and says, Phil. He said, do you still want me to work for you in the vineyard? I said, yes. And he goes, I believe that's Jesus. Because he had been saying for weeks, I don't believe that's Jesus. I don't believe that's Jesus. That's his way of saying no. This is a southern thing. And he says, I don't believe that's Jesus. And I said, well, you're going to work 100% for the... He goes, yeah, I believe that's Jesus. So I thought, okay, I'm on a roll. Now I'm going to invite him to come work in Maine, and we could share an office. I said, well, Bubba, if you're going to work with me, why don't you move to Maine and work out of my office? He goes, I don't believe that's Jesus. (laughs) So... We have, but I have never in my life 
and I've been, I've been doing what, I've, I've been in ministry for 43 years. I have never, ever worked with anybody like Brother Justice. I have never seen anybody dominate so many ways uh, uh, in ministry because he's good with legalities, he's good with money, he's, and he's incredibly pastoral. So you're not getting just a bean counter and a CPA. You're getting uh, uh, somebody who cares deeply and dearly for vineyard pastors. And uh, so I just, I don't know how many of you really know Bubba that well, but I thought it would be very important for me to give a little bit of an introduction to him. Um, he is making the vineyard work well. And, and uh, one of the things I said, Bubba, you don't, just don't, you're not just coming in as a, a, a CFO, a chief financial officer, I said, help me pastor this movement. Help me pastor the pastors. And he takes that very seriously. So um, I just wanted to say that, Bubba, I appreciate it. Give him a big hand because that's that's just how good he does his job. Okay, I don't want to talk about anybody else except Janet. Janet's my wife. We, uh, we, uh, in June, we'll celebrate 44 years of marriage. So we, uh, yeah, we have two children six grandchildren, and this past June, our oldest granddaughter gave birth to our first grandson, so great-grandson, so we have a great-grandchild. His name is James Hulka, no, James Martin Hulka IV. That poor kid, can you imagine that, trying to write that out at kindergarten? <laughs> James Martin Hulka IV. And uh, I just don't know how that works. I'm 39, and I'm a great-grandfather. I guess... It, <laughs> I, I, the math's not working for me. Um, I want to talk to you today, and I'll probably spill over into tomorrow night, and looking forward to hearing from Rob tonight. But if you want to open your Bibles or click on your device, whichever one you're using, but I, I want to see you do some activity. Uh, and I'm going to... Mark chapter 3, Mark chapter 3, this, this passage here in Mark 3 represents to me the full measure how, how I see ministry in the long haul. So a couple of the assumptions that I have is that most of you are senior leaders or staff leaders or elders or some some leadership capacity uh, here in the Midwest, North, this, this region. And some of you are at the uh, uh, front end uh, of your ministry, and some of you are at the seasoned uh, end. Notice I didn't say end, trying to be very sensitive to you aging folks. Uh, uh, I see the Hannah Waltz are here, but that's just not what I was thinking. I wasn't thinking about you, but... But uh, seasoned saints, right? Seasoned saints. So some of you are at the front end. Some of you are beginning uh, ministry. You're in your first five years or maybe your first ten years. And I would still say, you know, if you've got that first five years in or that first ten years, can I just say in a very uh, merciful way, that's still sort of the beginning of the journey of the long haul of, of ministry. And, and, you know, there's a lot of things that we learn in ministry that as, as you grow older and you stay at this, you're wishing some of this you had known when you started. And we're trying to make sure that the sages in the vineyard movement, those that have 
have lived and, and ministered, stayed the course for that 30, 40, 50 years. We want that rich deposit to make sure it comes back around and it's given away freely. And that's, that's just a part of what the pilgrimage is. You, it, it's, not a, it's not a short haul. It's not a, it's not a sprint. So this passage that I want to work off from this afternoon is one of those that gives us two components uh, of what it takes to do this and what, what, what our lives are really being spent doing. And it, it's going to merit some real slow consideration this afternoon. So if, click on your device to Mark 3, verse 13. Verse 13, or open your Bible. I'm a Jurassic guy. I've got, I still use paper. I have all the devices, but, um, and I'm going to talk about that in a minute, and challenge you, get you a little stirred up, and make you think about this whole issue of technology. <laughs> Mark 3, it must have been a, a seasoned saint that said amen. <laughs> Ross, there you go. I knew it came from that part of the room. <laughs> But I'll make my case and then you weigh it out and throw tomatoes. Here's the choosing of the twelve, and here's the record according to Mark. It says, and he went up on the mountain, and I've got two or three different translations uh, that I'll work out of, but he went up on the mountain and summoned those whom he himself wanted. And they came to him. And he appointed 12 so that they would be with him and that he could send them out to preach and to have authority to cast out the demons. This is an inhale, exhale passage. This in its entirety... Our, sort of the rhythm of our life is represented just in this single passage. What you will be doing, if you stay the course over the next 15, 20, 30, and 40 years, you will be exercising the rhythm that's represented in this passage. And I'm not sure which translation I actually put in my notes here, but I read out of the New American Stand, but I can't remember if this is the NLT. I've got two or three translations I'm going to refer to. Well, actually, a couple paraphrases and, and translations. But Jesus went up on the mountainside and called to himself. And I don't know if you have it on the screen, but you could just leave it right up there. They called to him those he wanted, and they came to him. He appointed 12, he ordained 12, that they might be with him one thing. And that he might send them out to preach the second thing called them to come. Now what I'd like you to do is put down all your devices right now. Put your pens down. You, you got to put, put everything down. Put both feet on the floor. Get in a relaxed position right now if you would. Just going to take us through a little bit of an examine. A little bit of a spiritual exercise here. Just relax. Get in a comfortable position. Be comfortable with the silence. I am. And I mean in full confession I've not always been comfortable with silence. But I'm getting there. So let me read it again. But first I'm going to pray and I'm going to ask the Holy Spirit 
to just allow you to drop all the clutter. Because whenever you travel two, three, four, five hours, you've been in conversation. We're on an election day, so you've been bombarded with, I almost said nonsense, but that's judgmental, so I won't say that. You've been bombarded with emotion, facts, non-facts. You've been bombarded. And the Holy Spirit, I pray you would, amongst your sons and daughters, that your presence would come and declutter our heads. Declutter. All the activity, all the noise, all the voices. And we ask you, Holy Spirit, to come and let these words speak to us as you would want. Jesus went up on a mountainside and called to him those he wanted. And they came to him and he appointed 12 that they might be with him. And that he might send them out to preach and to cast out demons. of these two verses where did the Holy Spirit nudge where, what, what movement, interior movement recognize that and sometimes this is good just to do with your eyes shut because even the, the, the optics of the room can be a distraction Just where, where did the, what's the Holy Spirit nudge when you read through this Jesus went up on a mountainside and called to him those he wanted and they came to him. He appointed 12 that they might be with him and that he might send them out to preach and have authority to drive out demons. Now, in a sense, on this exercise, I cheated a little bit. I don't know what it is on the screen. I don't have a, it's not a monitor, but, but I, 
I, I influenced you a little bit by, I think some of that's in bold, a couple words are underlined, am I right? I remember. Um, but we have here an inhale and an exhale. Here's what I think. Jesus understood the very clear principle that you can only engage the world and evil. And in the battle that actually is raging in reality, you can only do it for a short season. And I five years, ten years maybe, but it will be a short season if this inhale-exhale rhythm does not become reality. Jesus knew that the first thing these guys were going to have to do is to be with him. On the road, in the mountains, at the campfire, in the temple, around the marketplace, fill in the blanks. But he wanted them, you're going to have to be with me. They had incredible amount of time together. It was intense, but they had a lot of time together. And, and, and I think that, that we have to understand for three years, day and night, yesterday in the car, Bob and I were talking about discipleship, the second D, what's behind me, and he asked me what I thought that stood for and what my understanding of disciple. I'm talking I, I, spiritual formation, long haul, Christ being formed in me in Galatians 4.19. The transformation of Romans 12, 1 and 2, the truly a transformed life. I was this and I am becoming this. The long-haul journey of, of truly uh, 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 watching brokenness be healed. And things that I've been, all the clutter I've been gathering through the years, the decades here on the earth, and God helping sort that out. How is all of that dealt with? But it is something about being with the Lord. And it's becoming normative in the vineyard. That you put it up on the sides here. Five years ago, you would not have seen soul care, a, a region taking an entire day just to do soul care and quietness, and sage counseling and spiritual direction and maybe some prophetic prayer. But uh, I, I, I dare say our understanding of soul care today is much different than it was 5, 10, and, and 15 years ago. Charles Bellow, a a vineyard pastor from Oklahoma City, he said years ago, we were in a conversation, and I've heard him say it other times, so I know it wasn't just that he said it in the conversation with me, but he said, the vineyard, he said, in our early years, we learned how to engage evil out there. We were taught how to do the stuff and cast out demons, preach the gospel, he said, but few of our pastors ever had any understanding or training how to deal with the evil that I have to confront in my own heart. When he said that, it was one of those brilliant statements. And it's why we have watched, sadly, and I'm real frank about this, how, why we have watched so much carnage over the years of men and women who start in ministry and they are just absolutely, they are given, they are all in. But being all in has to have a rhythm, and this is where we are getting to, And it's not something the vineyard is inventing. We've had to go back in history and look at the early church fathers from the first century on and watch watch the fabric woven through the centuries of men and women as they learned how to inhale and exhale. Be with the Lord, engage the world, and announce the good news. I, I, I think this is just, it's, it's, it's not hard, it's not hard math, it's not 
hard work. But this is what this is talking about. This is why part of the vineyard is understanding this whole thing of taking long-term care of ourselves. Inhaling. True, not, not just having the, you know, the devotionals and things like that. I'm talking about a, a formation where I learn the voice. I know the voice of God. I, the, I know that I'm loved. I can sit quietly in the presence of the Lord. We'll, we'll, we're going to work through all of this. Let me, let me work at this a little bit uh, on, on this verse now that we've took a few minutes just to be quiet. You know, I was thinking as we were doing that, it, 10 years ago, I wouldn't have given away five minutes of one of my talks just to, for the whole room to be quiet. But what I've learned is those five minutes are a lot more important than the 20 that I'm going to talk. I'm going to go do a 25th anniversary next Sunday of a church that I planted 25 years ago, and they asked me to come back and, and do the anniversary with them. And uh, uh, I think we planted 93 and I was talking with the pastor, and, and he says, well, we're going to do this and this and this, and, you know, take as much time as you need. When you're, we just want you to speak. And I said, well, can you give me like 25 minutes? He goes, really? That's all you need? I said, oh, yeah, I only need 25 because I used to need 55. But I, I, I've just realized through the years I have a lot less to say than I actually thought I did when I was 25. <laughs> The Holy Spirit can take this, and I, that's why I've bathed this, this verse in prayer and preparation. He called them, he called unto him who he wanted. This is an important issue. Multiplying leaders is an art and a science. It's not hyper-volunteerism. You, 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 you have been chosen of the Lord. One of my favorite things to look at pastors and people who are in ministry and understand that that that. When you go to your city, whatever city you work in, it's because God sent you there. You represent God. So if you live in Chicago, you live in Chicago to the glory of God. If you live in Chippewa, did I get that right? Ooh, pull that one out of the air. If you live in Tomahawk, uh, if you live in Buckfield, that's mean, uh, Wherever you live, you're sent there by the Lord. The, the Lord sent you there. And so you can bite into that assignment. But only to the measure that you also understand your, your dwelling place as a leader is in the presence of the Lord. You, we, 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 we must get this. God calls you unto himself. And they came to him. He, he had spent, I think Luke 6, 12 is important to go with this Mark passage. It wasn't that, 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 that Jesus, you know, he, he had a bunch of people around him. But Luke 6.12 tells us actually what, what happened preceding this. That's not in the passage. And Mark, Mark was in such a hurry to write his gospel, he left out so much. But one of the, com, one of the comments that Luke makes sure is in the narrative is that he, he spent the night in prayer. Luke is the one that really shows the rhythm of Jesus' life, not just his action life, but his contemplative life. That St. Ignatius brought it to us in the language of contemplatives in action. That's exactly what Jesus Christ was. He, he, he understood clearly. I just, just a few references, Luke 442, 
uh, Luke 5, 15 and 16, Luke 6, 12, Luke 9, 28. All of those refer to what? When Jesus was going off by himself. What was he doing? Inhaling. He's off by himself. Jesus going off by himself. Jesus going off by himself. Why? Because the next day he's engaging with evil. He's going to come in contact with demons. There's going to be people that are out to trip him up. And, and he's going to have to have wise counsel from the Holy Spirit. Inhale, exhale. Engage, take it in. Now, I mean, this, you, 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 this probably, if I get invited back here sometime over the next few years, I'll probably talk about this. Because I, I don't really know in a room like this, it's not for me to figure out your methodologies with evangelism. Now, I would be happy to know that you believe in evangelism. And I'd be real happy if you engaged in evangelism. But I would never take my time to convince you that I have the best mousetrap or the best methodology for you to evangelize your city. You do the heavy lifting in your context. It's not for me to talk about really the methodology of discipleship, although I'm going to a little bit. I'm going to cheat in a few minutes. But I, want to, I, I think we have to understand that discipleship is a pretty big deal and that there is a, this is where I think we're getting tripped up with a lot of the pop churches that are, uh, are around today that we're, we're creating really some sociological mousetraps and we've used the, 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 the spiritual word assimilation. And we have tactical ways to assimilate people into our churches that may have absolutely nothing to do with spiritual formation and discipleship. We've just learned some techniques. Once we get them through the door, if we do this, this, and this, and Vineyard 101, 201, 301, do this, say this, eat the right pizza, all, we got them. Assimilation is not discipleship. Assimilation is not spiritual formation. It's, assimilation means you've got people to come back a second, third, fourth, fifth, and sixth time. And if we confuse that with spiritual formation, we're dead in the water. So it has nothing to do with what I really want to say to you today. No, it does. It, it, it does. So Jesus, it, it's kind of interesting because you could read this. He says um, that he called to him those he wanted. Well, oh, he didn't like the rest of them? Is Jesus like playing favorites? Is, no. Just that their assignment was different than the other assignments. You're going to, you, you, you as a leader will be given the job to recognize and see leaders and those around you and that they will have to have some special attention. They'll have to have the lion's share of your time. It's a real, real balance here in church planting and then growing a church. How much time does everybody get and how much time do those that are actually going to help you in the long haul? But if those that you want to help you in the long haul, if they don't have a lion's share of your life, May I say this, you're going to be, your leadership will be very weak. So we're just really, we're really pressing in. Jesus did this. Uh, it's going to have to spend some time with him. Let me, let me put up a translation that I kind of like. I don't know if it's... Um, I can't see what you're putting up there. Tell me what you've got up there. I just grabbed my memory stick, hoping I had even had the right PowerPoint on here. But what do you have up on the screen right now? What is it? 
Oh, we'll read that. Is it good? This is the task of Christ. I see it right there. This is the task of Christ to love, to relate, to bond, to model, train, envision, empower, release, nurture for time this group of people. That's what he did. How's he going to do it? How's he going to bond with those guys? How is he going to model? They have to be with him. Let me show you the translation. I don't know the other ones here, but I want to move this train along a little bit. Um, Is there one called translation? She's never seen the notes, and I don't know what she's got, and I can't, I don't have anything to see here. It says, and he goes up into the mountain. Do we have that one? That's amazing. I have a very much a love-hate relationship with technology. And some of you guys do it so smoothly, you make guys like me look bad, and, which is probably a good thing. But I like this translation. It says, and he goes up into the mountain, and he calls for himself and to himself those whom he himself desired. Notice he's pretty central in that. And they went off to him. They left what they were doing, went off to him. And he constituted 12 in order that they might constantly be with him. I love that language. Let it, let it, let it constantly be with him. And in order that he might send them forth as ambassadors with, ambassadors with credentials, representing him to accomplish a certain task, that of making a proclamation and being equipped with delegated authority, that of casting out the demons. I just love it. Not a bad translation, huh? Not a bad paraphrase. That's, that's our life. That's our life. So there's not much in our culture that gives us permission to be alone and be quiet. I love how this passage finishes up. And it's, very, it's a very twisted enjoyment that I have out of this. And I'll just admit it, so you're one given to counsel. I'm sure you can psychoanalyze me very quickly. Verse 16 says, he appointed the twelve. Verse 19 says, and Judas Iscariot gave the 12, then he, the 11. Then he says, and Judas Iscariot who betrayed him. Why would I enjoy that? <laughs> now, I know some of you are thinking, yeah, Phil, that's a little twisted that you would. But it's like, there's no guarantee in this. And this is the already, the not yet. This is the battle. This is the war. And this is just real. Judas betrayed him. Remember a couple of years ago when we did the global family in Columbus and Rich Nathan ended his talk by saying, and if you're going to stay in ministry, you will be betrayed. Now let's pray. <laughs> I thought that's a brilliant way to end a talk. If you're going to be in ministry, you will be betrayed. This is why you need the inhale, the exhale, and a plan to inhale. A plan, a plan, a plan.
how do you care for your soul? What is your schedule? I know many of you are bivocational. And you, you, just, let's just run through it. And if you're not, and you work full-time in the church, we'll rejoice. But listen to what I'm going to say. If you're bivocational, you're up early in the morning, and you're going to work. You're probably doing physical work or something. I don't know what you're doing. And, and, and you're going to do that three, four, I don't know, sometimes five, six days a week. And, then, and, and if you have a family, it means you have a spouse. And usually when a man and woman uh, have a family and they have a spouse and they live together and they enjoy the marital relationship, they have children. Pretty natural flow of events. I know it's profound, but sort of the way this thing works. So now you've got, you've got a job and you have a spouse and now you have little earthlings. And you've got uh, a church. And you've got to prepare a talk for Sunday. And you've got life group. You've got some sort of a kinship, a small group. And, uh, and, and doing outreach, or because if, if you're planning a church and you're not doing outreach, how is the church going to grow? If you, well, you, you could always, you know, the old evangelical throwback, steal people from other churches, I mean, if you're good at it. How does this work? And, and, and this, you know... I, I understand how busy we can get, but can I just say right now, just it, 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 stop. It's madness, the pace that some of our churches run at. It's madness of, this, of the pace that we think we're supposed to go at and... I just think we need that permission to say, stop and take a deep, deep look. Now, if you're at the beginning, you've got an advantage. Some of you are sitting here, well, Phil, why didn't you say that 25 years ago? No, because I was one of them little tyrants that was pushing just as fast as could be. I wanted to save the world. I still do. I just realized God doesn't need quite as much of me to do it. I mean, part of my narrative and story is that I mean, I, I sort of worked myself to the ground by the time I was 42, which is 20, almost 20 years ago. I was 42, and I had two heart attacks. I had quadruple bypass surgery at 42. I was burning the candle at both ends of the, of the clock, up early in the morning, working all day, uh, outreaches and, and, and studying, and it was just insanity. Now, would I... It, would I do it differently today? Well, yeah, but that's, that's sort of cheating, isn't it? Because now I know. But if I didn't know, I'd probably do it the same way. And I wish somebody had had the courage to look at me and say, you know something, you're out of control. And if, if there was a lot more of sitting in the presence of the Lord and a developed spiritual life an intake inhale the exhale might have been less and maybe a lot more effective so i, I just I, i'm just gonna i'm not done but i want to pray right now how many of you know right now just heads up hey, come on we're, we're, how many of you know 
you're trying to live a schedule you're not going to be able to sustain. Raise your hand. Raise your hand. Lift your hand right up. Don't be ashamed. Stand up. Just stand up. Come on. Come on. Okay. All right, so we're all in this together. I've already confessed my sin. I, I, I just did. Some of my leadership in the early years was just sinful. It was abusive. Now, I had the character that I, I could get up early in the morning, I could stay up to the wee hours of the morning, but after a while, it, 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 it was abusive. Now, you know what I'm looking at right now? If you're standing, I'm looking at an endangered species. And I just want you to know, we will walk a million miles in everything in the vineyard. What Brenda has put up on those side signs, when she put up soul care, what she was saying was, we don't want to lose you. But here it is. Culture is a tyrant. American culture, urban, suburban culture is a tyrant. And there's no one and nobody and no system that gives you permission to get off the treadmill. You're going to have to take control of your own life with the Holy Spirit. And, and it's also, talk to the sages about this. Talk to, talk, take a cut. You've got 48 hours here. Let this be thing, what we're talking about right now. I don't want to lose you. Your kids don't want to lose you. Your spouse doesn't want to lose you. But don't be a victim and say, well, gee, I don't know. I just, I, I, I just, I'm, I'm trying to cover all the ends. You might have to make some adjustments in your life. So, we're just going to take a few minutes right now. Shut your eyes. Just shut your eyes. It's okay. I'm going to pray. I pray, oh God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, for our dear friends right here who have the courage and the self-awareness to stand and say it's spinning. And I pray right now, Holy Spirit, that you would bring a revelation of in the areas. Now, what I want is now, I want a few of you to get around them. Gently lay your hands on them. We're fighting for their lives. Take about five minutes, minister, and then we'll do part two. I pray, Holy Spirit, we want to release the tension, we want to drop the heat, and we ask you to come, Holy Spirit, minister to these, your sons and your daughters. Come, Holy Spirit. Now, God's going to give prophetic words, pictures, etc.
Okay, we're going to do about another minute, so if you've got something you want to give, go ahead and do it. So, Father, thank you for the dear brothers and sisters. We thank you that we have an atmosphere, an ethos, a culture, where when somebody responds, we agree. I pray you would continue to uh, encourage them in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 So if you want to make your way back to your seats and uh, open your, your, your Bibles click on your devices to Galatians 5. I just really, really thought doing this in two parts. I just wanted to address that, that piece, um, Mark 3. You know, Jesus had a lot of time with the guys and the gals. We read as we read the scriptures, and we're reading the narrative of him moving about, and then them walking with him, and going from town to town. But I mean, it's, it's we just don't realize always that it's not like you and I getting in our car, driving to the next town, and doing a Bible study or something. They had to walk there. Can you imagine the thousands of words they shared. How many campfires at night did Jesus and the guys have? How 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 often? And we, and we don't have the scriptures, we don't have a running narrative of all the conversations, all the arguments, all the competition between the, 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 the guys. But, you know, there was pretty, it was a pretty practical discipleship and a pretty practical mentoring. We have the highlights, we have the big stuff, we have the wow stuff. But can I just say, you, you know as well as I do, most of our life is not wow. At least not mine, maybe, I'm, I don't know. In Maine, we don't have much wow. We, 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 it's not really, but so much of what's sold, so much of what's sexy out in the marketplace of Christianity is wow. But most of it's not done that way. It's just not the way it works, not, not the long haul stuff. It's a, it, is, it is a deposit. It's a divine deposit. It is a process. It is Christ being formed in me. So discipleship, I'm gonna, I'd like to talk, uh, and I'll use a little more of my time this afternoon, and then I'll, I'll dive back into it or finish it up probably tomorrow night. depends on how far we go here. But here's three areas that I, I want to talk about when it comes to discipleship and when it comes to multiplying leaders, which is the two, the, the, the D and the L. Uh, and, and the three things I want to talk about, discipling, 
uh, has got to look something. Jesus was working in, in, in this way, and I've, I've picked three words. You can put 10, you can put 15, you do your own gig. These are the three I want to talk about. I want to talk about discipleship in character. I want to talk about discipleship in creed. And I want to talk about discipleship in culture. Being, knowing, and doing. Being, knowing, and doing. Character. Now, we believe in a transformative reality when it comes to our faith. That, that we come to Christ as we are, we do not stay as we are. That the Lord is taking that which, which is uh, dysfunctional and deformed and distorted and bring it in into healing and wholeness and, and, and new creation or a new creature. And that is, a, that is, it takes a lifetime because every bit of our life where the cross and the Holy Spirit comes in, I, I, we're being formed and the people that we're working with, we're being formed into the image of Christ character and, uh, and, and a reforming of that which is broken and lies that have been the, the formation of our, of our lives that were, are so distorted. So discipling, some of it does have to do with character. And these aren't in order. And I'm sure you, could, you, know, you may come up with a, di- a different thing, but be that what it may. Just, just work with me on this. Number one is if we're talking about character, that means Christ is being formed in us. The fruit of the Holy Spirit is the character that I'm talking about, the manifestation of the presence of God in our lives. Now, I'm not going to take the time to rehearse all these verses, or, or, or I think we know what we would agree what the fruit of the Spirit is, right? No discussion, pretty indisputable, right? Okay, good. Uh, we know that there's a transformative reality in Romans 12, 1 and 2 that we talk about. Um, I, think we will, I, think, I think I want to take a few of my minutes. I want to drill in here. This character issue counts. Uh, this time last year, we had, I had some very, very prophetic things happen uh, in, the, in the natural, in the sense of storms raging around. And I live on a small farm in Maine. I live in the woods. Jane and I are homesteaders and, and uh, carving out, take a piece of land and carving out a living. I love trees. If I wasn't pastoring, I'd probably be an arborist or something like that. Uh, I love the forest. Jan's family is a long family of forestry and everything, so we're pretty woodsy people. Last year we had a storm, and, and we don't get high wind storms, we don't get tornadoes, we don't get hurricanes, we, we don't get any of that in Maine. A high wind is 20 miles an hour where I live. That's a high wind. Very, and, and 30 is like, you know, you know, tie the kids down because they might blow away. But we, we got notice, we had, we had a windstorm last fall, about, actually almost, a, it was just last, last week was the year, the year anniversary of it, and we had 70 and 80 mile an hour winds. Now I have some big, beautiful white pines on my property, uh, hundreds of them, and I was so nervous. And I, I, I went out and, and the next day, and I realized, I knew exactly when the, about 5.30 in the morning, I was standing in the windows looking out over the meadows, and and uh, the wind just was ripping. And I said, I better get out from in front of these windows. This is going to blow some stuff down. There's debris in the air. And sure enough, I went out uh, later that day when the, when the storm passed. And we lost, some, we lost some really seminal trees, some beautiful big pines. And the Lord said, pay attention. 
pay attention to this. Six months earlier, I was mowing in the meadows. We have some we have uh, apple trees, about 18 of them around our property that are mature, fruit-bearing trees. And I'm very, very careful as I mow in, 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 in the meadow, and I, I, I try to stay very uh, away from them. One, I went by, and I, had the, I happened to have the bucket on my tractor that day, towing the mower, and my bucket hit one of the trees that had a base on it, probably 8 to 10 inches. I mean, this is a, this is a very fully mature tree. And, it's, and that, I just nudged it. I didn't hit it hard. I'm very, very careful. I nudged it, and it just snapped off. It broke off. It just broke off. Ground level. I've never seen anything like it in my life. And the Lord said, pay attention. So I turned the tractor off. I went over. I looked. And although it had, and this was in the spring, although it had full blossom, it would have bore apples that year. It was in full white blossom. But what I discovered was there was absolutely no core left in this tree. It, all it had was the veneer around the trunk. All, the, all, the whole trunk was nothing but a hollowed-out veneer, and all it took was a little nudge of, a, of an external force, and it just snapped off, and the Holy Spirit said, pay attention. And as, the, as I did inspection on the storm, I realized that there was an ash tree about that big around, and uh, white ash, which we're, we're, that's the tree they make baseball bats out of. That's how strong white ash is, all baseball bats. And it had grown up inside and around this big, beautiful pine tree. And the pine tree blew over. But the ash tree was up. And I go, okay, at least the ash tree lifts. So I went out that very day, got my chainsaw. By the end of the day, that was all in the wood pile. And then I realized the following spring, this, just this past spring, one day I looked out. And I noticed that that ash tree was leaning over. Because when the storm hit, it, there was no leaves on it. It was in the fall. But come spring, the leaves, as they budded, began to bear weight on the tree. And about a week later, one morning I look out and I said, Jan, come look at this. That ash tree was bent all the way over. This is about a 30, 40 foot high tree. Not a little sapling. This is a tree. It had bent all the way over. And I real so I went out and I looked at it and realized it had no, 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 no strength whatsoever, and the weight of the leaves literally tipped this tree over and it was on the ground. And I realized it could only be sustained by the scaffolding of that other tree, but take the scaffolding down and the tree could not stand on its own. And the Holy Spirit said, "Pay attention." I gave this prophetic word. The three things I just said I brought to the leadership of the vineyard last March. And I said, and, and I, I, I actually said, I don't know if this is prophetic or not. And I had to take a beating verbally from Ed Stetson because I said, it might, be a, it might be prophetic, it might not be prophetic. And he said, goodness gracious, Bill, is it just prophetic or isn't it? That's a pathetic way to give a prophetic word. <laughs> and I said, well, I just don't know. I don't know if it's prophetic. And I said, besides that, Ed, you're light on your Holy Spirit ministry anyway. So, you know, it was a bit of a touche with the, for a moment, you know. Within a few, within, not even 10 days later, we had a succession of moral and character failures that comes from brokenness and hurt. And I'm, I'm, I'm not saying, you know, we're not talking good people, bad people. We're just saying the manifestation of it. But it came into the leadership of the vineyard. And the Lord said, I told you this was going to happen. Shallow roots, undeveloped core. And scaffolding when all the 
when all the titles and all the recognition and all the exterior stuff is working, but strip it all away. And what do you have? So here's the question I've been asking in my own discipleship, my life, in my personal life, and then in those that I disciple and the leaders that I form, how deep are the roots, how developed is the core, and how deceiving is the scaffolding? How deep are the roots? Because Colossians 2, Ephesians 3 teach us that the roots have to be grounded in the love of the Father. The core, what's at the center? What is it when you don't have to put your air up, uh, your finger up in the air and try to, you know, which way all this going? No, you, you know because it's a developed core. Now, I, I understand all of this was as far as brokenness and, and, and things that we, all the, all the stuff we've all picked up in our lives from childhood on. I get it. I get it. But you and I, have, we, it, it does not allow us to take this as a light thing. I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why. Uh, the collateral damage that undeveloped character in leaders causes is mind-numbing. And I have had an entire year of dealing with this this past, this past 12 months. I have conversations, phone calls, things that nobody would ever, will ever know about. And it's been one of these reality checks for me. It's a serious thing. But we want the Holy Spirit to really take the vineyard. Do with us as you will. Because we want our lives to be for your glory and the well-being of people. So do with us. If, if we've got shallow roots... Talk to us. If we have undeveloped core, if, we have, if we're depending in scaffolding that if you take away, we fall like a sack of potatoes, just show us. So discipleship does have a lot to do with character and, 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 and healing. You know, what I, you know what I love about this? I, I love it that we have a culture in the vineyard where and, uh, if, if I'm struggling with stuff, I can say, I'm struggling. I love your hotline. I took it down. I already called the hotline. I don't know who got it. If they said, leave your name, I said, Michael Gatlin, and hung up. <laughs> so I'm sure I was... The, anybody else dial it already? I did. I sat right there and dialed it right off. I said, oh, I'm going to check this out. Why? Because what we're trying to do, what we're trying to do... In, and nationally, we have a conversation coming up in December 11th, 12th, or 13th. We're gathered... Uh, uh, several voices from around the vineyard on this topic of how do we help our pastors in the development when when brokenness and 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 uh, uh, sin and and or t- temptation is just eating their lunch. They don't want to pastors don't want to tell anybody because if I tell somebody I might lose my job and I I don't want to say I'm be, I'm attracted to that woman or I'm attracted to that guy or I you know I, I I'm in an economic tight spot and that. $20 cash that nobody knew about. I, somehow it made it into my pocket. What am I going to do? All the temptation and all the, the war of evil against leaders. See, when you said, yes, I'll follow you, Jesus. I will be a leader in the body of Christ. What you have to understand is you laid down the gauntlet to the devil. You said, game on. I'm following Jesus. I used to do your bidding. Now I'm going to do his bidding. The devil says, we'll see. 
and he's made it his life's intention to ruin your life. Now let's pray and go have supper. Uh, no, just kidding. <laughs> See, if I can keep you laughing, the Holy Spirit can keep taking these things and, and help us understand. This is why we're doing this. I want our pastors to have places they can go before they have imploded and blown up their lives where it's safe. We're safe, and we're going to get help. But we're going to have to have an atmosphere of grace, a culture of mercy, but one of transparency and vulnerability, where when somebody says, I'm being tempted, they're not judged as though they'd already given in to that temptation. They're just saying, no, I'm struggling. I'm struggling with honesty. I'm struggling with anger, and if I don't deal with this anger, I think I'm going to hurt my kids and hurt my wife or hurt my spouse. What do you do with that? Do you wait until it just blows your life up? And then we all sit back and say, oh, too bad, so-and-so, oh, they fell. Let's catch it way before that. Let's have a culture. Let's have ways that we can do this. So we're having a national conversation on that, December 11th, 12th. We want, not, I mean, you've got a regional one. We'll see how it works. I'm very interested in Brenda, just proud of you even doing it. Uh, but but we're, we, we want to have this something where any vineyard pastor can call, and it is... It is it is confidential, and it's and and, and no 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 uh, uh, no holds barred. Is that how you say that? It can, it, say what you got to say, and then we have to be able to put the mechanism in play that helps that. Why? Because I don't want to lose anybody. But I also want us. I want to call us to. If we're going to talk about discipleship, we're going to have to talk about discipleship with character. And that it does count. And that we can talk to one another. That we can look at each other and say, really? You're an angry dude. You're, ju- you're judgmental. You, you keep playing with that. I know you skip over it, but you're still, you're st- you still... That we can have honest conversations. Can, do you have anybody in your life that can say, any, ask you any question about anything in your life at any time without you being mad? Character. Honesty. Are we good? Don't judge me. And and uh, yes, dear friends. I was in just in the spring. I was in Australia. In the middle of the night, I get this text, and I happen to hear the, my phone ping. So I checked it, and there was a pastor back here in the States, and a dear friend of mine, 25-year friendship. And he just said, you've got to call me. I'm like, really, dude? It's like 2.30 in the morning in Australia. But he texted me right back, and he goes, I need to talk to you. So I called him. He goes, uh, I just confessed to my wife that um, I've been having uh, an affair with a lady. I went to do visitation. This is, how, this is how crazy this gets. He's a staff pastor at a vineyard church, and he got the assignment to go visit a lady who's in fourth stage cancer. I'm not sure what type of cancer. I don't, I don't know that I know. And he goes in and prays for her, ministers to her, uh, 
you know, starts calling her back, checking up on her. She get out of the hospital, and, and a little bit of remission, but I mean, not full remission, but a little remission. And and long story short, it, it within three to four months, uh, six months, uh, uh, he's he's sleeping with her. Been married thirty-five years. That was one of five over a four-month period this year. You know something? I love these guys. I, I didn't even know. I, 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 I basically had the air left out, let out of my lungs. I said, well, dude. This is going to be bad. It's going to be rough. But he, but he hadn't even told me all of it. I think he was just partialing out the, the full information. Needless to say, blows the family up. Horrible ripple in the church. The ripple effect, I mean, still going on. I mean, I check in with the pastor on this issue quite often how it handles, how it works. So, so folks, see, this is the, this is the game. We're junior pastors. We're junior shepherds. I mean, I know we use the term senior leaders and senior pastors, but can I just say, there's not a senior pastor amongst us. There's really only one shepherd, and that's Jesus. You're a junior pastor. I'm a junior pastor. And here's the gig. When somebody comes to Christ, we are a gift to Christ from the Father. Do you understand that? You're a gift. When people come to Christ, Christ is their Savior. He's their, he, 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 they are a gift. And so then you and I are given this assignment as junior shepherds to shepherd the flock of God. Now, if doctors have, a, have to take uh, uh, hypocritical, or how, how's it called? How, hypocrite, how, hypocritic. Hypothetic. <laughs> if they take an oath and they they make an oath, now look me in the eyes right now. If doctors take an oath to do no harm, can't we call the vineyard to do no harm? Can't we? Is that like legalistic? Well, don't, don't judge me. I'm just you know, I'm weak. I'm just saying, character has to be a part of this conversation. If you're discipling young men and young women, have the, have the talks. Have the talks. I, I mean, I'm not just talking about sex talks. Have the decision talks. How do people make decisions? Do they weigh it out in the balance? What does this decision that I'm about to make? One, one, I'll tell you a quick Wimber story. Was one one, one uh, guy who had an affair. I Wimber was just brutal on this issue, and, and he had, a, had an affair, and, and the guy said, well, he said, I, I didn't realize you were going to, like, um, fire me for this adulterous affair. And he goes, oh, no, no, I didn't fire you. He said, you resigned when you pulled your pants down. <laughs> Put that in your Wimberism. 
Can I say that in church? I don't know. I don't know. I just did. I don't know. ¿Cómo traduce esto en español? How do you translate that in Spanish? So, folks, it's just part of this. And, and don't, don't, we don't want to police things. We're not our brothers. We're not watching and keeping score. I'm just saying. And, and the vineyard doesn't have the corner of the market, you know, just in all groups and denominations. But this is leadership. This is leadership. This is leadership. You've been entrusted as an under-shepherd of Jesus to do no harm to his flock. And if we're not going to hold one another accountable, or if you feel that's too hard, too legalistic, too judgmental, you're in the wrong seat. Because those aren't your people. Those are Jesus' people. You just say that in, would you just say that to yourself? The people I pastor belong to Jesus. Um, I've taken 15 minutes in all 10 or 11 regional conferences that I've done this year. I've taken about 15 minutes in every one of them to have this little chat. Number one, because it's not hypothetical. Number two is because God gave me three explicit warnings. And so I wanted to be faithful because I don't like losing my trees. <laughs> I don't want any more illustrations. Because on my property, I lost 12 trees. The huge ones. I, I, don't, have, I don't have this stuff with me. I, I'd show you. But, but one of them, one of the... I mean, it was one of those trees whenever, you know, we, we hike. I'd always point it out to first-time guests and point out that thing came down. When it came down, the root system that you would think, because this tree is probably 100 to 120-year-old white pine that's probably 80 to 90 feet in the air, fully mature tree, it didn't have one root that went deeper than three inches. So when the wind blew, all it took was the right wind. And when that thing came down, it took a chunk of earth that as it tipped over, it would almost touch this ceiling. It took down 27 other saplings. Pay attention. When the tree with no roots went over, it took 27 saplings with it. And what I did do is I ended up taking, in a very careful way, um, it took down two or three big trees also, so I'd be very, very careful how I extracted those trees uh, because if, if, that, if that piece of earth comes down, if anyone's underneath it, just crush them. Just, I mean, just crush them instantly. We're talking six, seven, eight tons of earth. And, and when, I, when I finally cut it off, I cut it off at about probably 16 to 20 feet. So when it, when, and, and when I cut the tree off, Came, went back, the whole system did just that. The whole system. And when, it, when that hit, went, went back to the ground, it shook the entire ground. And that's when I realized, oh my goodness, that took 20, I counted, took 27 little trees up with it. 
But because I got it back in the ground, I noticed uh, I was just out there the other day with Jan, and some of those trees are going to make it. And I just, okay, Lord. So God's going to help us pastor his flock. All right? We're going to be up there at 5 o'clock. But I'm not done. So I'm going to continue tomorrow. Because I have two other areas of discipleship that I'd like to talk about. And then some level of methodology on how this actually works. How does it actually work in a culture that lives frenetically? In a culture that lives frenetically, how do we disciple? Because discipleship takes slow rhythm. We live in a microwave culture, but we belong to a crockpot kingdom. And that's what I'm going to talk about tomorrow night. In Jesus' name, amen. Go have supper.